The views and opinions expressed on Unlock Your Wealth Radio are those of the host, guests, and callers only, and are not necessarily the views of Unlock Your Wealth Radio, Heather Wagonhalls, or Success Publishing International. Worried about retirement? Want to travel the world or just be around to watch your kids grow up, but you can't because you're drowning in debt? Now you can with Heather Wagonhalls and the Keys to Riches powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. Heather will show you how to stop chasing your wallet, eliminate debt, lose financial stress, and live the life of your dreams. If you truly ever wanted to have more, do more, be a give back more, now's your chance. Listen weekly to hear what others are doing to manage their money better with these proven strategies for building wealth with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Now, here's your host, Heather Wagonhalls. The Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio, is sponsored in part by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download at heathersfreeaudiobook.com and click on the link to over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for stopping by. We're so glad to have you. I'm Heather Wagonhalls, flanked by my producer extraordinaire, Michael Terry. Hey, folks. And we will help you get your money mind right on today's show with the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. So the question becomes, what is today's key? Oh, well, it's actually one of my favorites. Take emotion out of the picture. Ding, 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 ding. Yay, two weeks in a row. Or was it three? Did we get it for Dreams with Deadlines or did you blow that one? I haven't been counting. (laughs) Well, in any case, I'm glad that you're finally catching on. That's yeah. so fabulous. Yeah. So today's key is going to be take emotion out of the picture. So we're going to learn about how what happens with our money usually has nothing to do with our money and more about what happens with our emotions. Yeah. So we'll talk about that on today's show. Our moolah word of the day has to do with socialism. And today's moneyism is on guess what? Impulse shopping. Taking emotion into the picture. Yeah. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Very good. Yes, that would be the antithesis of today's key. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that's what we have in store for you. I'm pretty excited about that. So let's talk about our moolah word of the day. And it's a phrase. We have two words. It's called command economy. And a command economy is an economy where supply and price are regulated by the government rather than market forces. Government planners decide which goods and services are produced and how they are distributed. An example would be the former Soviet Union was an example of a command economy. A command economy is also called a centrally planned economy. And based on that example, we know it fails. Didn't work. (laughs) Hashtag fail. Loser. Hashtag (laughs) epic fail. (laughs) Yeah. No bueno on the command economy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't work. You know, and we have a mixed economy here. We think we have like a free market here. And for those people, I'm just like, "Eh, thanks for playing. Yeah. (laughs) You have no idea. Not really. No. So we have a mixed economy here. And uh, the mixing is part of the problem. And probably a good balance is the the way to go. You probably think not. You probably like everything on that capitalism side. Right. 
I mean, there are some laws which are logical, but to prop up businesses, like the whole notion of banks too big to fail was just absolutely ridiculous Yeah, in my mind. Yeah, and you know who got hurt? Concept. You know who got hurt in that? Us. We did, yeah. And the baby banks. Yeah. The wannabe banks. The and everybody guys, yeah. says monopolies are bad. And it, like, if you're going to vilify big corporations, how can you prop them up? It made no sense yeah, to me. Yeah. Why not let the big banks that were going to fail that should have failed, why not let them be gobbled up by the other banks or break them into smaller banks Yeah, back the way they were or sure. allow these smaller banks an opportunity to gobble, right? Yeah. Let the market forces dictate what would happen because those assets would have been of value to someone, not because the toxic assets tainted the whole bunch, you know, and that was the problem. And, and, and it wasn't a good thing. Um, you know, I mean, I, I can also think back to when Iacocca went to the government and got them to bail out Chrysler. And did Chrysler do well? Yeah, for a while. But the problem with Iacocca as a leader is it was about Iacocca. It wasn't about Chrysler. And under his leadership, the company did well. But once he was done and he retired, he didn't have systems in place that could sustain yeah. his his leadership. And that's the mark of an ineffective leader because an effective leader wouldn't have just brought the company back from the brink. Right. You know, they would have actually taken and put systems in place so that they could have had a legacy and the company would still be thriving and be a powerhouse. Yeah. And it's not. Yeah. You know, and, and so, so I have, I have problems with these big bailouts, Yeah. you know, because what happens sometimes in these larger corporations is they just like government get bloated. And sometimes we need to trim the fat. Sometimes we got to go on a diet. Sometimes we have to hit the treadmill and exercise. But when Mark, when government intervenes in that natural process of identifying those things, I mean, unions are a big part of why these big, big automakers are failing. You know, but if you look at like Toyota, who go in right to work states and hire all sorts of people and pay them well, you know, and produce quality automobiles. I mean, the Japanese are kicking our keister in that on our own home turf. It's not like we're importing them anywhere. We make them here, you know, but they've figured out that unionizing doesn't work. And and most of those plants that they have here are right to work. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing. And they're putting out better quality cars than these unionized companies. So how valuable is a union? What training are they really offering these people? Yeah. They've, they've become a, a, like an entity into themselves, these unions. And it's a big, it's, it's a big problem. I'm yeah. just, I'm not a union fan. It doesn't really work. <clears throat> not in my world. As I coat the back of my throat. So anyhow, so uh, yeah, so command economy is our moolah word of the day. So let's talk about today's key, shall we? The keys to riches is a financial philosophy that teaches you how to think like the rich and be in control of your own money. Money. If you're joining us for the first time, uh, the Keys to Riches also gives you specific techniques to create or fix your credit, eliminate debt, save and invest, all while transforming your current financial habits into healthy money management skills. And again, so this is our fifth key in the Keys to Riches financial philosophy. Take emotion out of the picture. 
And this is a critical key because this is where our philosophy deviates from any other money management system. And it does so for the simple fact that while you can tell somebody what to do all day long, whether or not they do it is another story. And there are so many layered challenges with that. But let's just say that our biggest challenge are the three amigos. And if you're joining us for the first time, the three amigos is what I refer to as the way our mind is separated and processes information. So we have the first brain, which is our survival brain. And I call this guy the I do or the initial decision officer. And he's the guy that determines whether something is a threat to us or not and whether we should fight, freeze or flee. Okay. And he works in concert with our second brain. If he allows something to go by, then that means that all right, there's not a perceived threat. But then we get to the second brain, which is our mammalian brain. And I call this guy the curmudgeon because he, as our basic drives as as individuals, is to seek pleasure and avoid pain. I know that sounds crazy, (laughs) but we want to seek pleasure and avoid pain. And what he does is this is where our emotions are and this is where our memory is. So he's the guy that even though the I do says, yeah, it's okay. I'm not threatened. This guy, the curmudgeon says, hey, wait a minute to the I do says, don't you remember that time at band camp where we got the power wedgie and they hung us on the clothesline and we were stuck there for three hours (laughs) and it hurt when they finally let us down. Like our feet were hurting because of all the blood rushing to the feet and falling and all of that stuff. So he's the guy that remembers those things. And so even if something might be good for you and the perception from the I do is it's not a physical threat, there might be something stopping you from going ahead by the curmudgeon. And then, and only then, if he actually doesn't respond, if he thinks something's okay or he doesn't have a particular memory one way or the other about it, and he remains calm, because there's another way we can go with extreme pleasure, and that would be addictions and all of that stuff where we we um, indulge too much. He also goes, again, back to the I do and says, no, wait a minute, this isn't just okay for this. This is really good for us. We need to keep going. But if neither of those two guys get flustered in it and then in any way, what happens is logic Larry in our third brain actually gets to come out. And this is our prefrontal cortex. This is the part where we can reason and evaluate and make judgments about information that's coming in. And he's the last guy in the row. And there's a reason why he's the last guy because of the way the brain processes information. But that's discussion for another show. But suffice it to say, you know, when we get there, now we can make a logical decision. However, he may not be able to make a logical decision if he is biased by the curmudgeon or the initial decision officer. He might be influenced in some way. So he may be making a logic or reason or a judgment at this particular moment, but how valid or objective is the information? Is it truly A is A? Or is it A is the flavor of A, but it also has some B and C with it because of the curmudgeon is applying past memories to this experience and coloring what I'm really seeing. So it's because of the way the brain processes information that makes this key so vital 
for us. And this is why we have to learn because what we do is we survive. If we break down how this works in three words, we survive, we emote and remember, and then we reason. Okay. So when you get to the store and this kind of plays into our money drama, but I'm going to talk more about this, you know, and you get, you see that red dress and you've been walking by it and walking by it and it's super expensive and you can't afford it. And now you see it's on discount and even on discount, it's still not affordable. You got your justification and now you've got their curmudgeon saying, remember the last time when we didn't get the new dress and blah, 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 and he's remembering something. And so he's poking at the I do and he says, come on, come on. So the initial decision offer says, okay, we're going to go for this. And so he dumps a bunch of adrenaline. And before you know it, your credit card is being swiped in that machine. You've already tried on that dress and you're halfway out of the store before Logic Larry can even come out. Because once your brain starts dumping hormone into your system and an adrenaline in a fight, freeze, or flee situation, and you cannot physically access that logic part of your brain because what it does is it redirects blood flow to your extremities. Your heart rate increases. Your uh, uh, blood vessels constrict to start pushing blood to the extremities so you can fight or run. And you're misinterpreting that as a cue to go run to the cash register with that dress you still can't afford, even though it's half price. (laughs) So what we're going to do, why this key is so important is because while we would like to think that we're logical, intelligent, you know, reasonable human beings, the reality is we're not. We're emotional creatures that use reason and logic after the fact to justify our bad behavior. And there's the key word behavior. There is no way you can be disciplined into managing your money well. Successful money management has everything to do and only to do with behavior. Okay. And the difference between discipline and behavior is discipline is a conscious activity. Discipline is most powerful in the morning when we're fresh. We've got all of our faculties with us. But once our brain starts receiving message units throughout the day and we get overloaded, the brain can only manage consciously seven to nine pieces of information, plus or minus two. And if you don't keep constantly taking things off the table to allow room for new information to come in, everything's going to happen under that subconscious. You're going to revert back to your subconscious behavior. And so subconscious behavior is what's been trained in. And your brain doesn't know if it's right or wrong or indifferent, and it doesn't care. It just knows that it's a pattern when this happens. It's like, you know, when I was in computer class and we used to write these programs, if X equals a particular value, then do Y, which is a particular action Mm -hmm. that it wanted the computer to take. And it doesn't care if it's right, wrong, or indifferent. It has no way to assess that on a subconscious level. So what we have to do is we have to get ahead of this. My favorite phrase or saying for this particular key is we have to learn to keep our passions in perspective. This isn't about eliminating emotion. It's about keeping your passions in perspective. We want to be excited and thrilled at the prospect of earning and creating and achieving and building something of value that others find valuable like a service or a product, you know, if you think about it, even if you're working for another company, you are still president of me Inc. Okay. And, and so you're still working for you, even though you are in service to someone else, 
You're not working for ABC Corp. You're working for me, Inc. And you're, in a sense, contracting your services for the position that they have available. And once we can start thinking in those kind of terms, then our pride of workmanship goes up. Our level of desire to achieve goes up. And the more consistent we are over time, those accolades reinforce that we're on the right path. So we learn new ways to innovate and make ourselves more useful and more indispensable as we work our way up. And we want to be very, very passionate about that. And 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 we want to be passionate about that. But when it comes to passions, we want to cut them off after achieving, contributing, providing value, and all of that stuff. And we want to rein that passion back in and become more objective and judicious when it comes to spending money and allocating our resources. And this includes investing because we need to be prudent when we invest and not just passionate. You don't want to invest in Nike because you love their footwear. You want to invest in Nike because it's the right thing to do, because the stock's at a low price, because the company is going to be adding some value or embarking on something new. It has to mean something and be valuable in order to meet the level of risk involved with making an investment. Because, you know, people know to buy low and sell high, but they get scared and they don't buy until it is high because they're like, oh, okay, enough people have gotten in. Now I better buy before it goes higher. And then what happens? The market takes a crap, the stock falls, and now you're like, ah, and then you sell low. (laughs) And it's because we allowed our emotions to get involved in this. And so what we have to do is we have to be very careful when we take and, and work on our passions. You are listening to The Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio. This segment of today's show is sponsored in part by KeepMyID.org, the only service that actually prevents identity theft. All others are just monitoring services. Put your credit on lockdown with their special offer for Keys to Riches radio listeners. Visit KeysToRiches.com forward slash KeepMyID to enroll and protect your financial future right now. So what can we do to help us keep our emotion in check, keep our passions in perspective? We need to know how to master our physiology. That's the key because ultimately it goes back to biology because we know to spend less and save more. We know we can't afford that red dress, even though it looks fabulous on us, even though it's 70% off, it's still too much. It's out of our price range. It's out of our financial plan, but yet we do it anyway. And so what we have to do is we have to identify and live present moment. You know, I like how Dr. Nathaniel Brandon, the late Dr. Nathaniel Brandon says that we have to live consciously, which is like the Buddhist saying, we have to live in the moment. And the way we do this is with this short little process that helps keep us in check. And it gives us that time to actively, consciously respond to the situation instead of subconsciously, emotionally react to it. And it's just this short little breathing technique that I'm going to teach you. 
And you're really going to love it. And you're going to find that it can help in any scenario that becomes stressful. Because what happens is once we start dumping hormone into our system and we can't get rid of it, let's say your boss comes and chews you out for a mistake and it wasn't even your mistake. It was your buddy's mistake, but you can't really say that because you don't want to get him in trouble because he's helping you on something else. And so you don't want an alien in him. You got all of this twisted web. So It's not like you don't have the hormone response. You still dump all of that adrenaline. You want to run away or punch your boss out for yelling at you when it's not your fault, but you can't. So you stand there and take it. And what happens is that raises the cortisol levels in your body and that increases that's the stress hormone in your body. And so now you're poisoning yourself and you're getting to a level of what we call dis-ease. You know the word as disease, but it's called dis-ease. And that's when all of these horrible, like long-term cancerous type illnesses and crazy things can set in the body when we don't manage our emotions effectively. And so what we're going to do simply is be consciously aware of what we're doing in every given moment. And we need to be consciously taking a temperature, if you will, for that. And all we have to do is when we identify that something is triggering us, to respond in a certain way because you can feel that hormone dump. You know what it's like to be scared out of your wits or to be overjoyed and receive an extreme amount of pleasure. You know, when you rush towards something, you know, and it's like, you know, the saying fools rush in, you know. So you want to take a moment and identify where you're experiencing this feeling in your body. Okay. Is it in your hands? Like in rage, you know, sometimes you might want to choke the crap out of somebody or if you're upset and and you don't want to deal with a confrontation, maybe you want to run away. And so now you feel it in your legs or your feet, like, like, you know, you're trying to like, uh, uh, like, and you start like quivering cause you want to run away. You know what I'm talking about? You know, you know what I mean, right? It's been a while since I've quivered, but yeah, but, but you, you could feel it in your legs. You oh, yeah. feel that rush. Absolutely. Okay. So, or maybe, you know, maybe it's guilt feelings and you feel it in the pit of your stomach mm-hmm. and you're like, Oh man. And my stomach's growling, but, yeah. but you feel it in the pit of your stomach and you're like, I know I shouldn't be doing this, but here comes the justification for the bad behavior. So we want to be first observant of what that is. And then once we understand or identify that, then, then we need to seek to understand what is this telling me? What is my body who clearly knows more about what's going on than I do consciously? What is my body trying to tell me? What is it saying? What need am I not fulfilling in other ways is this representative of? And it might be something far back in your childhood. It might be something as simple as last week, your husband went out and bought a new boat and damn it, you're going to get that dress and four other things too, just to get him back. Yeah. So we need to identify what the motivation is. And then we need to take a step back and we need to inhale fully and completely. And we need to do what we call belly breathing. Belly breathing is so amazing. And it's something that you find in yoga. And when you breathe through your stomach and allow your stomach to expand, and I know it's really hard because we're all taught good posture and sit up straight and suck in your tummy and all of this stuff. And you don't want to be seen as fat and you look kind of fat and slobby. But what you want to do is kind of inhale and belly breathe. So your stomach sticks out like you're a Buddha, like you could rub it for good luck kind of thing. And it's going to not feel good if you're a shallow breather, if you're always... (laughs) 
you know, and, and breathing shallow and not taking deep breaths or a lung breather. If you're just continually breathing only with your lungs and not using your diaphragm to fully fill your lungs, it might hurt. It might feel uncomfortable. Those stomach muscles might be tight, but we need to just take in a deep breath as much as we can because we get that oxygen to the brain. Once we have this hormone dump, that oxygen will start processing that hormone out of your body. It takes about 15 minutes after that hormone dump to get rid of it. So if you're at that counter and you're ready to hand over your credit card, you know what you need to say? You know what? I want to use another card that's in my car and then just take a step back and walk out of the store. Walk around the exercise and the belly breathing, that deep inhale. And then when your lungs are as full as they can possibly be, take another gasp and try to fill it some more and just hold it for a second and then slowly let it exhale consistently and slowly let it count. And when you let it out in this fashion, it will take and it'll control any additional dumping of hormones, but it'll help stop the fog. And by exercising, that forces your body and your muscles are now asking for more oxygen the more you walk around. So it's going to take your circulation and it's going to move that oxygen through your body even faster. And you need to just get rid of that hormone. You got to walk it off. You've heard people, like if you get into a confrontation, maybe you're playing a football game and somebody sacks you and, and you know, and it's flag football, but you got sacked and they did it on purpose and you just want to punch the crap at somebody and, and your coach tells you, well, walk, walk it, off. it off. Yeah. Shake it off. You know, we can take so much incredible direction just from our animals. And when we have our animals around us, if we just observe their behavior, if you notice... Before they lay down and right when they get up, they shake. And then if they've done something that you don't approve of and you've had to do something corrective, but it takes us like they're standing there looking at you like you're stupid. Like, what did you just tell me? But then once they understand and make the neural connection, then they shake from the tip of their snout to the end of their tail and they shake. And you know what they're doing is they're changing the electrochemical nature of their body. By doing that, because they create incredible velocity and that snapping creates a charge of electricity and now they've got new learning in their brain. They're processing information and that's what we need to do. We need to take a lead from our animal friends. You know, dogs, cats, they all do it. Just notice and notice, especially if you scold them or try to correct them and make them do something else and it, you know, and if they're resistant to it and then they finally acquiesce. But maybe they need a shake first. I know with my dog, you tell him to do something and he looks at you like you're stupid. And then he's like, I'm not going to answer or respond on the first time. You got to tell me three times and then I'm going to do it. So on the third time, he looks at you and then he kind of goes, okay. And then he shakes and then he'll do whatever it is you asked him to do. Because now he's processing the information. It's very powerful and it's a tip that we can learn from our animals. So we just got to shake it off. And so that's when we talk about our money drama, and I've kind of just enveloped that in with this whole example for this week's key, is that we need to be consciously aware of what we're doing. And so in order to stem impulse spending and impulse spending as a money drama deals with something inside of us. We're looking for fulfillment or nourishment in some way, and we're not getting it from another area of our lives. Maybe our parents didn't love us enough. Maybe our spouse is, you know, emotionally detached, or maybe we're having trouble with some of our children, or, you know, you're, you're dealing with siblings or whatever the problem might be. 
impulse shopping is trying to fulfill a need and escape some sort of pain. It's impulse shopping becomes our, our pain mechanism, uh, you know, and, and, or our, I'm sorry, our defense mechanism in avoiding pain. And so for the moment that dress looks good on us, we can look in the mirror, we can look good and feel good and woohoo, we're there. But in reality, it's very damaging and detrimental to us. But there's that secondary gain of that momentary rush of adrenaline that feels good. It's pleasurable. We're in the moment. You know, your friends are like, oh, yeah, you deserve it. Mm-hmm. You're like, and you're deserving it has nothing to do with whether or not you can afford something. But that's how we need to look at things. So for this week's key statement, key affirmation, and key action item, please visit our website at keystoriches.com. And for more in-depth interviews with money experts, strategies, and members-only tools to fix your credit, get out of debt, and have more money and happiness, do what other savvy listeners have, and visit our sister site at unlockyourwealthradio.com, where you go to get your money mind right so your wealth and happiness will follow. If you haven't already, be sure to sign up for our complimentary introduction to the Keys to Riches video series. Join other listeners just like you and get your money mind right in 12 weeks with the Keys to Riches financial wellness series. For the Keys to Riches, powered by Unlock Your Wealth Radio and the maestro of moolah, Michael Perry, I'm the Wackenhalls. Now go out and unlock your wealth today. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com is produced by Heather Wagonhalls and the Unlock Your Wealth Foundation. UnlockYourWealthRadio.com and its affiliates are copyrighted 2015 with all rights reserved. For more information on the Keys to Riches Financial Wellness Series, please visit our website at www.unlockyourwealth.com.